0: Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello everybody and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, here with my co-host Ashley Sorensen, and in between us we've got walleye hammer Fargo Shields (laughs) Outdoors representative Jaden Thomas are you guys doing today
1: great I mean that was quite the introduction there <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good <laughs> nice nice I mean sorry we got to pull you from the floor and pull you from a boat but uh we're gonna do some walleye talk on this one you okay with that
2: works for me I had the day off anyway and right after this I'm headed right to the water so it works out
0: perfect so talk to us about uh, what's going on on the water
2: uh, fishing's been good. Um, I think for a lot of people in the Midwest, it's been no secret, uh, we, had a very, we had a very late winter. Um, winter was long, it was hard, um, ice came off really late, but then things started happening really, really quickly. Uh, water temps skyrocketed. I know uh, for myself personally, that last week of May, first week of June, I was on the water for about five days straight, and in that five day span, I saw the water temp rise 10 degrees. It's one of the fastest jumps I've ever seen. I've, ne- I've and at least in my time, you know, I'm not that old, 26, but I've never seen the water this hot this early. We're already in like mid-late July temps for mid-June. Um, so with that's come some challenges, but as long as you, uh, people are able to adapt and not get kind of stuck in a rut or fishing memories, uh, fishing's still been really good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you touched on the changing water temperatures, how fast it happened, and you know, I, I saw that firsthand too, like we have a we have a lake place here in like Lakes Country Minnesota and the ice was still on on May 2nd and on May 29th or 30th I had my feet in the water on the pontoon so like less than a month we went from ice to, like, me in the water, like, not dying. <laughs> Insane, right? Yeah, it's just
2: wild. And, you know, like, uh, growing up here, I've, I've seen a lot of, like, you know, long winters. You know, we're, if you grow up in the Midwest, you're really no stranger to um, a long winter. And kind of always the running joke, some of those years will be, oh, is ice going to be off by opener? You know, Minnesota Wally opener is usually the, well, I should say it's fishing opener now. They changed that a couple <laughs> years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but fishing opener is usually the second week in May, somewhere around that time and always the running joke when it's long winters is like oh is ice gonna be off by opener haha <laughs> you know and it usually always is this was the first year I was like we might we might not have ice off before opener like yeah. it, it was cutting it close I think it came off about seven to ten days before the opener which wow. is wild
1: pretty crazy stuff so that is affected than the way you are fishing and we're talking walleye right
2: yep <laughs> yeah so for for the walleyes um I think what we saw a lot across the Midwest this year um, was kind of a different spawn. Um, somebody's water, it was really good. Like, I spent a lot of time on Devil's Lake uh, this last spring, and the fishing was incredible. Um, the kind of the double-edged sword you get when you have late winters like this is a lot of things happen really fast. Um, the fish will push in. A lot of fish will push in the smaller areas really quickly. Um, both to feed kind of in their pre-spawn stages, which results in phenomenal fishing. Um, some of the biggest fish get caught uh, of the year during that time. Um, but kind of the flip side of that is if when things happen very quickly, like I said, when the water temps start warming up kind of faster than the fish are ready to spawn, um, you may not have the best spawn. Uh, mm. A lot of the fish, like those bigger females, will, may reabsorb their eggs instead of uh, dropping them. So you don't really see the effects of that like, this year, next couple of years, but you might see that in, like, five, five years. Uh, hmm. Some walleye numbers in some bodies of water sure. might be down. There might be a lack, like, a missing year class, they'll call it, you know. You won't have those smaller fish that eventually can grow into big fish. So there's give and take with anything, and, you know, nature's undefeated. It usually always will even itself out, but that's one thing that uh, to take notice of when you have hmm. late winters like this is the fishing may be good, but it may hurt you in the long run.
0: Sure, down uh, the road. Mm-hmm. So – you did some talking about spring fishing, and immediately I just was chomping at the bit to ask you this next question. So um, for those of you that don't know, Mr. Jaden over here recently joined the Dirty 30 Club, 30-inch um, or bigger walleye. And for the people that are watching this on YouTube, we we do this video recording. So highly encourage you to check out our YouTube outdoors if you're just listening on an audio platform. Um we've had some interesting episodes before we did a lot of green screen stuff uh my co-host Ashley wore a green shirt and her body disappeared, so that's entertaining um but yeah on the on the youtube channel we're gonna put up a picture of this right now this fish this in all its glory and majesty um yeah we've we've ran some ads on it and it's it's done really well. a lot of people think it's photoshopped and you know my answer to all those people that think it's photoshopped is like basically every picture is photoshopped nowadays but it's like the coloring and stuff this fish is real and it's glorious and i want to hear the story on it now
2: <laughs> yeah so uh, what, what you're speaking on is that yeah I, I caught my personal best walleye this last spring when i was spring fishing up at devil's lake during the spawning run um i fished for a long time i've chased walleye specifically since i was just a kid and i think for a lot of walleye fishermen out there uh, I think I speak to a lot of them when they say kind of one of the ultimate goals in walleye fishing is getting that 30-inch walleye. Now, some of us are more blessed than others. I know guys who catch, have caught a 30-inch walleye the first time out walleye fishing right away. I know guys who have dozens of fish over 30, and a lot of that can play into both, you know, how good are you as an angler? Do you know what to look for? Are you fishing just bodies of water that have you know, trophy walleyes everywhere, like guys in the Great Lakes are spoiled. You know, there's schools of there 30 inch walleyes out there. Wow. So thirty eight for them is nothing. You know, same for guys out in like the Western Reservoirs in the Dakotas or Fort Peck. you know, thirty inch walleyes aren't that uncommon. You know, it's not rare to catch one. Um but for me I fish I've chased walleyes a long time and I, I know I've sound spoiled when I said this before, but I've caught so many 28, 29 inch walleyes, which are big, they're giant. You know, I've caught plenty of walleyes over ten pounds, heavy fish, but I've just never hit that thirty mark. I've never gotten the tail mm-hmm. to cross that thirty-inch mark. Yeah, kind I feel else. so sorry for you, Jaden. <laughs> I mean,
0: just catching all these twenty-eights and twenty-nines. Oh, I, dang!
2: I know. I sound spoiled, but <laughs> like, you just, it's just like anything. You know, when you have goals for yourself, when you just keep falling short of that, I and mean, you settle off to go like that, it just—it's like. like great fish i love it i enjoy it but it's, why can't it be you know yeah, an, it's got eighth to, an inch longer just a little bit of
0: bittersweet to
2: it but I, I was finally able to connect with one this last spring it was pretty special it ended up being it was 30 and a half inches long um uh, 18 and a half inch girth all the way around she was still full of spawn wow. um and weighed 11.1 pounds on a scale which was awesome, nice. and it was all official. You know, had a judge ruler, which is like the bible for for measuring <laughs> walleyes. You know, especially for tournament guys out there. um Got a, a girth measurement and had it on an official on a scale too. So yeah, there's no guesstimating. I knew all the specs on no, it. No,
0: you you guys like went overkill with the whole judging <laughs> thing because like I know you're with you were with another friend that's from Shields, who's pretty handy with a camera, and you mm-hmm. can see like. He had his girlfriend out there, like, taking the bump board video, <laughs> and then he's got, like, a full-on production camera doing a video of her doing the video. <laughs> so it, like,
2: it, it just worked out because we, we were up there, and it, everything about was perfect. You know, I caught my biggest walleye fishing my favorite body of water, and I was, surround, I was with my best friends, like, the people I always fish with. So it, it couldn't have played out, you know, any better if you read it in a book. Um, and just it just worked out because as soon as the fish hit the net, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of big fish in my time. The biggest fish I've seen with my own eyes is 31 and a half inches. And as soon as that fish got in the net, I was looking at it, I was like, the only fish I've seen this big or look this big was that 31 and a half. So I'm thinking, like, this has got to be it. This is the one. <laughs> this is it, yeah. So, <laughs> so then we measured it and i are like, oh my goodness, it, it, yeah, 30 and a half. So at that point, my, my buddy, or Tony, uh, Tony Agri, who works at Shields here, master with the camera, great fisherman, great friend of mine. Um, he said like, Hey, I have my professional studio camera with, it's in the truck. Uh, if you want, I'll go get it and we can do this. Right. I said, if you don't mind, I'd really appreciate it. So kept the fish in that, kept it in the water, you know, took ultimate care of it. And you know, I'm, I'm huge on catching a lease, especially, and not just catching a lease. You got to take care of these fish, especially when they get that big, that old, They're special fish, they have earned sure. the right to live. Um, so you got to do everything you can with it. A lot of pluses on our side were too. You know, came from shallow waters. You don't cover up barrel trauma. It was early in the year, so the water's cold, so that helps. You know, those fish stay super mm-hmm. healthy, super charged up. So we, she was out of out of the water for no less than, or no more than sixty seconds in between wow. measuring it, weighing it, taking pictures. Um, She was in the water the whole rest of the time. And right after we were done, she kicked off in less than five seconds. So I have no doubt she's out there swimming around, super healthy. And as big a fish she was, usually those are very old fish. Um, She probably was an older fish, I'd say around that 15, 20-year range. But, I mean, super healthy. All her fins were intact. There was no beat up from the spawn. All her teeth were still there and very sharp. She had tons of strength. I mean, she's she's going to be around a long time. She's probably going to get even bigger.
0: Mm-hmm. What went through your mind when you first just set the hook on it?
2: So what's funny about that was, so uh, Tony's girlfriend was fishing, like, right next to me. She saw the bite. Like, she saw my rod just go, boom, you know. <laughs> and we had, it was like, half hour before, we would caught a pair of, like, 27, 28-inchers. Big fish, too, you know, but she saw the bite and she saw it she said like oh my goodness and i set the hook <laughs> and the rod just folded over and it's right away i was like this is heavy like this is a heavy fish then it's coming in and uh devil's lake in spring usually water is pretty turbid pretty dirty uh fishing current areas as well because that's usually where uh, spawning fish like to congregate so you can't see more than a foot mm-hmm. or two in the water you know we're not fishing deep we're we're wading out up to about our knees uh in water to get to the edge of the rocks where the fish like to spawn um Fishing only about six, eight feet of water at the deepest. Well, I get this fish in fairly quick off the get go, and it's like as soon as that fish started feeling like it, it kind of realized it was hooked. You know, it was coming up shallower and started to feel the pressure. It turned, and I just saw the tail. The tail was <laughs> ma- the tail was massive. It looked like it looked like a broom. Like and right away, <laughs> I was it like, that tail is way bigger than the tail on those 27, 28 inches. That that is huge. And then just wow. started peeling lines. So what I thought was gonna be a quick battle ended up I probably fought it for about two to three minutes which doesn't seem like a long time but in oh, moment, it's, it's an eternity it's when an, you're eternity. trying to
0: get your hands <laughs> on it
2: especially when you're talking like you know freshwater fish in general like again like salmon like trout guys saltwater guys are probably like that's nothing you know but like for a walleye fish i mean a couple minute fight that's that's a fight <laughs> yeah that is yeah you, <laughs> you know absolutely. so and made a, a lot of runs just kept bringing it in kept bringing it in. every time i get close it had she had more energy in her like i said she was super healthy fish super charged up full of strength and then finally it was coming in and just saw the head Entered a net and the whole body kind of laid out in that I was like, "Oh my god, that thing is way bigger than I thought initially thought. That thing is huge." So yeah, and again, said so we got it in. I'm just looking at. It, I'm like, "That's one of the biggest walleyes I've ever seen like in person." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> and I caught it. Yes, it's mine. <laughs> I did that. I did that.
0: Oh. No, and that's, I mean, that's a great story. And, you know, a lot of people can relate to it, too. Maybe not from a 30-inch aspect, but just bringing back memories of that biggest fish you've ever caught. It's its a lot of fun. And
2: it goes back to, like you said, like, you know, I set a goal, you know, a long time ago, I want to get a 30-inch walleye. And, again, like, not everyone's going to ask to be 30. You know, it could be, you know, 28. If you only caught a walleye, like, long, that's 22 inches length. That's your biggest. You know, you catch a 24, 25. That's a great fish. That's right. still a big fish, you know, and that's. Every, I believe everyone, every time you go out fishing in general, I always set goals, you know, for the day. And it's just, I think a lot of people can relate to when you do set a goal and you finally achieve it, whether quickly or over a long length of time, it's a very gratifying feeling.
1: Yeah. What, what type of goals are you setting then? Whether it's 30 inch or is it pounds or is it how many fish?
2: Uh, so I, I, I love walleyes and especially love big walleyes. I, just, I like big fish in general of any <laughs> species because uh, I'm a true believer that big fish are harder to catch. Obviously, if you look at a lot of species, and it pertains not just walleyes, but really anything in anything in nature, you know, the biggest specimens of any species, are, you're going to have the species structures set up like a pyramid, right, mm-hmm. where you have your biggest, oldest, you know, animals at the top of the pyramid, and that's the smallest portion. You know, they're sure. the, usually the smallest in population. Um, and as you go down, you know, size structure, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so when it comes to walleyes, I... I love chasing walleyes. I'll catch walleyes of any size, but I really love big walleyes. For me, big walleyes, start talking like 25, 26, 27, 28. Then you get giant, 29, 30, 31. Um, I think, again, in the world of walleye fishing, I don't think it'd be unfair to say anywhere you go. Um, Trophy-class walleyes, probably anything 30-inch-plus or over 10 pounds. Okay. Um, so that's usually kind of my... Goals I strive for every time I go out. And again, the the goals change depending on time of year and bodies of water you go to. There's some bodies of water that just you're probably not going to catch a 30 inch or a 10 pound walleye. You know, a good example, live in Fargo here. I fish a lot of the west central Minnesota region, you know, Ottertail County, County, uh, Becker County, a lot of lakes, a lot of great walleye fishing. There's a lot of smaller lakes that have good walleye populations, but not a ton of them. Um, So good enough that's worth fishing for, but you kind of got to temper your expectations then. A lot of lakes I go to, I'm like, I'm not, if if you catch a 20, a 25, 26 inch wall, you know, a five, six, seven pounder, that's a big fish for that lake. Sure. And you should mm-hmm. be proud of that because mm-hmm. there's just, there's not a lot of those in a lot of those smaller bodies of water. Or maybe
1: any, some of that time, Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. exactly.
0: A, you know, bringing it to like hunting terms, it's, you know, you hunt in Minnesota versus say like an Iowa or an Illinois, you just have to kind of temper your expectations to what the population
2: ends around, yeah. That's a perfect comparison. Mm-hmm. Perfect.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. So um, w- we're going to switch things up a little bit, switch gears a little bit. We're going to do just some rapid fire questions, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it could be just Mike like said you're really good at rapid fire. Any, anything within the gamut of fishing, basically. Okay. And they're probably not going to relate to each other. We'll jump around. But just just share your walleye knowledge. I'll do the best I can. With us, Okay. So, all right. First one, Um, how's your fishing style going to change from this early summer to late summer, fall?
2: Um, So early summer, summer right now, um, a lot of things are happening. Um, The water temps warm and it's pretty stable throughout, so you have a lot of fish in a lot of different places. Um, you still have some fish shallow those fish will live there all year long and really the only reason that I I and a lot of our anglers will leave those shallow fish and shallow is relative but I'm for this conversation I I usually call 12 feet in shallow and less shallow water Um, and the only and usually that's where a lot of big fish like to live because usually very fertile those shallows there's usually a lot of perch uh, bluegills shiners uh, uh, crayfish frogs up there that those fish can eat that's a smorgasbord for them um the only reason I really leave those shallows as we get in this warm up period is usually they become almost impossible to fish. The weeds get very thick and choked out. It's very hard to fish a lot of presentations through there. And a the majority of those fish, wall, specifically when I talk walleyes, they don't really prefer weed-choked areas compared to like largemouth bass. They're not going to sit in like a, a mat of grass and wait for things to come by and ambush them. Walleyes, walleyes like sparse vegetation. They like lanes. They don't like a ton of stuff like seems like touching them or mm-hmm. like compressing on them. Just, just in my experience, there may be a couple bodies of water bites that people know where I might be completely wrong. But just in what I've seen over the years is that the thicker that vegetation gets, they tend to push out to the edges, either that very inside weed edge, um, where you might be only three, four or five feet of water, but it's where the thick grass meets either sand, mud, some kind of transition where it opens up. But even then, you get in this warm water period, those fish aren't going to stay there very long. They might feed there, and then they might push back out into the deep water. What's more common this time of year, you'll see the deeper weed edge be prevalent. Usually anywhere from 15 to 25 feet of water, depending on how deep your weeds will go. And again, that's usually very abundant with perch, shiners, um, bluegills, again, a lot of those bait fish, uh, leeches, uh, bug hatches. Um, it's, again, it's a, it's a smorgasbord of food. And once you get out of the spring spawn, after the spawn, the only thing that matters to fish is food. The only thing on their mind the rest of the year is food. Um, and as you get into this spring, this early summer, this summer period, this warm water period, it's when more food's available than ever before. Like I said, there's a lot of things going on. There's bug hatches, um, uh, all kinds of bait fish are swimming around. There's more food at this time of year till we get to about mid-end of August than there will be any other time of the year. So what that does is fishing can be really good, but typically you see very concentrated bite windows. Um, and the reason for that is um, when you have a f- high variety of food, and you're an apex predator like a walleye, you don't have to work very hard to get your food then. Mm. So that puts it back on them where they can really eat when they want to. And they're only really going to eat when they want to, when they feel they have the advantage. And walleyes being a low light feeder, they're typically going to wait until those mornings or evenings. And your bite window could be 20 minutes, it could be an hour and a half, but it's typically, you don't see, like, Several hour long or all day bites this time of year as you would in the spring or fall. So, when you we transition into the like late August or September, we start getting into the fall, there's less bait. You don't see as many bug hatches anymore. A lot of the uh, walleye feedings, and we focus more back on bait fish purely or crustaceans. Um, so, when you don't have the overabundance of food, they're a lot more opportunistic about when they're going to eat. So, I'd say the biggest difference between now and probably six to eight weeks from now is that I'm more focused on fishing and or fishing my best spots at key times than I am in the fall where I just need to be around fish in the fall and I, I'm pretty confident they'll bite does that does that make sense yeah that makes a ton so of are sense are
1: your key times like morning or evening or
2: yep typically morning and evening or if you have some kind of a weather change call it like fronts mm. like say say if you're out you get on the water um at like six in the morning right after sunrise flat, calm, bluebird skies, and like that all morning, typically your bite's going to be a little tougher. But mm-hmm. then let's say about noon, middle of day, you see clouds moving in, the wind picks up or switches directions. That some kind of weather change will usually trigger a feeding response. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good time to be, again, on your best spot or around fish that you know are there. Because typically you're going to get more bites than you did earlier in the morning than when there was just flat, calm, consistent conditions. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. That yeah. was an excellent and thorough answer and I need to apologize to the audience because I said rapid fire, and that was not rapid fire at all. But it was good, valuable information. So, all right, next one,
1: Ashley. Um, how are the best techniques for walleye fishing? This might not be rapid fire after
2: all, huh? No, that's fine. Uh, I'll just say best techniques for this time of year. Um, again, you have fish that are usually pretty neutral most of the day. Um, They're only active for maybe a couple points throughout the day. So a lot of it this time of year is triggering bites. Um, So my go-to technique for now and through the rest of the summer and the fall is rip jigging. Um, And rip jigging is a technique that's really expanded over the last few years. Before, it was really all about uh, ripping glide baits, such as Rapala Jigging Wraps, Mm. uh, 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 Moonshine Shiver Minnows, Um, Acme Hyper Rattles, these big, heavy, dense baits, anywhere from half ounce to a full ounce with a, a plastic fin on the back, that when you rip these baits, they fall very quickly because they're heavy lead. But when you rip them, they dart very radically what that does is it, it, it imitates an injured bait fish, so that'll trigger a fish to, to react to bite it, you I like to say you make those fish make a decision sure. you know either they're going to bite or they're going to not which sounds you know <laughs> duh but but really you know you're triggering a response a, a walleye even when it's not in a feeding mood it's said it's neutral which means it can bite but it's not really looking to feed um when it has an injured bait fish around, it, again, they're predators, they're opportunistic, you know, they don't know when they might eat again. So it's very hard to ignore a dying or fleeing bait mm. fish going right by their face. So now until set through the fall, a lot of rip jigging, ripping those glide baits, or if they're shallower and more like weed cover, I, I throw a lot of heavy jigs, like three-eighths or half-ounce jigs with uh, plastics on them. And just kind of imitate the same deal. You don't have a plastic fin on it, so it's not as erratic, but that bait's falling very quickly. You snap it up, you know, three, four feet at a time, and it darts forward, falls again, darts forward, falls again, looking like a dying, injured bait fish. So that's another good tactic I use a lot this time of year.
1: I've never heard of that, so that is very interesting to me.
2: Oh, you gotta get into the rip, (laughs) Jay. It's, it's fun. Dude, it's like a lot, a lot of people say walleye. Who think walleye fishing is boring. That's kind of the old narrative. Um, it, nothing's more exciting than getting on a good rip jigging bite. You would not believe how hard these fish will hit. How far they'll chase these baits. And usually, a lot of times, it's a good way to kind of weed through smaller fish and just target the bigger fish in the system.
1: Sure. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Honest opinion: jigging wrap versus shadow wrap.
2: Ooh. Um, they're both. They're both great. Um, I'd say if I could only have one, I'd probably still take the OG Jiggin' Wrap. Um, the Jiggin' Shadow Wrap just came out this last year, at least was available in the U.S. this last year. Our friends to the north in Canada had it all year last year, so they got to play around with it, and we're just posting monster fish catches. Now, I had to take that a grain of salt cause I'm like, oh, you guys are in Canada. You know, Can- C- Canadian fishing is great They grow them pretty big like up there. They <laughs> grow them big. They have a lot of them, right? But... Uh, I think the difference people should understand is that, so when you're talking about the regular apple jigging wrap, you had a number seven and a number nine. A number seven weighs five eighths of an ounce, very heavy, very small, about two and a half inches long. A number nine uh, jigging wrap was seven eighths of an ounce, almost a full ounce, nine centimeters long, about three, three and a half inches uh, Mm -hmm. long. These baits are very heavy. They fall very fast. uh, it takes a lot of work to rip the... Like, if you rip a number nine jigging wrap for a full day, like you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. You get like tennis elbow or like pitcher's elbow. Like, it's, sure. it, it's a workout. <laughs> but it's rewarding because usually you trigger a lot of bites and catch some really big fish doing it, and a lot of fish. The, the, what the shadow wrap does is it fills a hole in that there was a lot of time, especially uh, I've been using forward-facing sonar a lot the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen where almost that, that quick fall and that, or that heavy bait almost hurts you in that sometimes these fish being neutral, yes, you can trigger them to bite, but you can also scare them away You can spook them where that bait's falling too fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not ready for it. Also, it could be, and you see this in a lot of lakes, especially this time of year where there's a lot of bait, these fish don't have to work very hard to usually get their food. They become lazy. They're not going to chase as, as much or maybe as often or maybe as far. So the thing with the Rapala Jigging Shadow Rap is it's the size of a number nine it's the weight of a number seven, but it falls even slower than a seven. I'd say it falls like three times slower. It's, it's, I can not believe when I first got to start playing around with it a little while ago in the water, I just held the next side of my boat, just dropped off a couple feet and just started uh, just ripping it, playing around so I could see how it looks in the water. Falls very, very slow, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. So what yeah, that does is It's very just, realistic. Right. And it, it gives the, those fish, you know, where they're maybe a bit spookier, a bit lazier, more time So get underneath that bait, because typically with these rip jigging baits too, how a walleye will attack it or wants to eat it, they want to get under it. Get under it, come up, and inhale it. Um, With that wrap, jigging shatter wrap, now with more hang time, they can have more time to get to, you know, position themselves underneath it and hit it exactly how they want. So fills a really good niche that was missing for a while.
1: All right, what percentage of the time do you use live bait versus plastic? I know you've talked a lot about plastic. Mm
2: -hmm. You know... um, Every year it seems I use less and less bait, live bait, um, especially in when I'm just fishing for fun. Um, tournament fishing is my true passion. Um, I'm a very competitive person, always have been. I think like a lot of tournament fishermen, you know, I grew up playing sports. Uh, my sport was basketball growing up. Well, then, you know, you get out of high school, you know, I still pl- would play basketball for fun, but like you can't, you know, you're not really, what are you competing for anymore? I wasn't good enough to play a like, college ball or anything <laughs> like that, you know, I was going pro. Um, But I always loved tournament fishing, um, both for the competitive side of it and even at a young age watching tournaments. I remember watching the PWT, the FLW, NWT, MWC, all these professional walleye circuits. Um, One thing I took away at an early age was it seemed no matter where they went, what time of year, or how bad the conditions were, you know, snowing, raining, blowing 30, you know, as long as it was safe to go out, you know, not, you know, waves big enough to capsize boats or no lightning, you, you, you got to go out You're going out, you're fishing against you know, 50, 80, 100, 200 other anglers Someone always wins Someone always finds them There's always fish biting somewhere And those guys, you have to figure it out If you want to cash a check, you know, if you want to make a living doing that So that always really that, that stuck with me, even at a really young age And I just knew, I was like I want to be a tournament fisherman, I want to compete But also I knew if I did tournaments I would have to go to places I've never been before At maybe times a year I wouldn't go there but that's no excuse because those guys don't have an excuse either. I, you got to catch them. Sure. So how I, t- how I tie that back to your question is when I t- fish tournaments, I go out with everything. I call it I have a bullet in every chamber, you know, because I'd rather have it than not need it. You know, I'll have live bait. I'll have minnows, leeches, crawlers, but I'll have every artificial with me too. And if I can find, I'll always start, if I grass, if I can find an artificial bite, I'd rather have that than have to throw live bait. But you know, if the best bite's on live bait, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go with what the best bite is. That's gonna give me the best chance at winning. But the flip side of that is, when I'm just going out fishing for fun, I'm not fishing a tournament. I rarely bring live bait anymore. I might bring a pack of leeches just for a bob, just for a bobber. Um, just because a bobber is so effective. But mm. um, there's been kind of a renaissance in bobber fishing the last few years. But you know, if I can get away with, you know, throwing a jerk bait, trolling a crank bait, um, jigging plastics, uh, pulling spinners with plastics. Just anything artificial that where I don't have to pay for and babysit live bait, I will do it. I'd much rather do that.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Solid okay. answer. Yeah. All right. Thoughts on traditional bass style lures for walleye fishing?
2: They work. They work. It's they work <laughs> pheno- they work phenomenally. I got I got quite a few, especially like bass style crankbaits, jerk baits for walleyes, And I, I think I think I was guilty of it, you know, especially probably before I started working at Shields and even some of my earlier years working at Shields is that, you know, companies do a great job of marketing. They have, you know, professional anglers using their baits. They have a lot of money to put behind their marketing so they can really sell a bait for what it's intended purpose or what they want you to use it for, right? A walleye has never seen a commercial, <laughs> a, wall, a bass has never That's seen a commercial. Good take. Yeah. I like uh, yeah. that take. A, a muskie's never seen a commercial. So, like these fish, these fish don't know. Like a walleye doesn't know that Berkeley spent two and a half years doing R and D and putting in the professionals' hands, going and ha- having out walleye fishing. Um, they don't know that that bait was only designed for walleye, or they don't, or the flip side, even better, they don't know that that bait was only designed, you know, for bass or marketed for bass. If it looks good and looks like what they want to eat, <laughs> they're going to eat it. And what I found, especially with a lot of these bass baits, you know, what's been great, we saw it really during COVID, right? We got we had a ton of new fishermen uh, fishing, which was great for the sport, a ton of people out there. But um, I think what you saw in, like, a two-year run was a lot of these bodies of water got hit really hard. And just not, I guess, not necessarily in the sense that, you know, people were taking too many fish or catching too many fish, just these bait these fish had a lot of lures saw a lot of baits they saw a lot of baits for a for a long time so these fish have gotten smarter i mean if you fish enough you these last few years you should have seen it like these fish are getting harder to catch they're getting smarter Hmm. um and i think the flip side as smart as they get you know we sometimes get fish too much credit in how smart they can be a walleye has the size the brain of a pea (laughs) so like I think a lot of times what you just need to do, and this is where these bass baits pl- uh, play into walleye fishing, is just throw them something they haven't seen before or haven't seen in a long time. You know, like I said, I think a lot of lakes, especially around here where it's traditional walleye fishing, they haven't seen a lot of bass baits or may, or they don't see a lot of bass baits at certain times of the year. You know, so I, th- I think it just plays into being willing to adapt and try something different and let the fish tell you that it doesn't work. You know, get that out of your head that, yep, this is a bass bait. It was designed for bass. I see bass guys use it. Walleye doesn't care. Walleye doesn't know that. You know, don't be afraid to try it. Worst thing that's going to happen, you try it a couple times, you don't catch them.
0: Cross it off the Cross list. Cross it off the
2: list, yep. Just another one on the box.
1: Mm-hmm. Open up the fishing tackle box. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so you talked about a lot of people have started since COVID. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the most common mistakes beginners make when walleye fishing?
2: Um, I think b- biggest thing is just Fishing, you can't catch what's not there. I say that a lot to people. Um, so I think just taking a little bit of time to do their research, you know, uh, there's so much information available out there these days. Um, I've said this on multiple other platforms too, so, like, if people have heard me talk before, probably know exactly what I'm going to say. But, like, go online. Uh, Minnesota Lake Finder is a great option. Minnesota DNR, North Dakota Game and Fish, South Dakota Game and Fish. You know, a lot of these, any lake that has a public access on it is typically, it, which, these, gov- these governments, they don't stock lakes unless there's a public access on it. You know, they, they don't stock private lakes. You know, mm-hmm. if, if the public can't access a lake, they don't stock it. Well, when they stock these lakes, you know, they're checking, they'll let you know exactly what they put in there, what time of year, what year they did it, how much they put in, and then they check them. You know, when they do their survey reports, usually in the spring and the fall, when they put out big hoop nets to catch them and they'll, they'll measure these fish, um, take, take record of every species that's in there, how big they are, all that available information is available to everyone online. You just gotta be willing to look it up. So if you just take a little time to do your homework before you're even on the water, you can kind of understand what's in a lake. And that goes back to what we were saying before, you know, like you can't, if you want to catch a big walleye, but you go and look and let's say you fish in a small lake in North Dakota that's been stocked. Well, the last five years I see that DNR hasn't caught, or the game of fish hasn't caught a fish bigger than 20 inches. You're probably not going to pull a 28 or 30 out of there. <laughs> right. It's Adjust just your just, goals. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's seems not pretty happen. logical. Yeah. And another thing I think where a lot of uh, walleye fishermen make a mistake, um, and this is just fishermen in general, really. Um, so I, I work at Shields, my job, um, sell a lot of fishing electronics. Electronics have changed more than anything the last, especially like five years. It's insane the advancements we've made. And so what's been great is a lot of people are willing to get into that. You know, they're, willing, they're buying the stuff, and they say they're willing to learn. But a common thing I see people do is, you know, they'll spend you know five hundred thousand, two thousand dollars on a locator. They get out there and they don't take the time to learn it. They don't read. They don't even read the manual. Like they just get out there. They turn it on. They just start fishing. And I, I break it down to my customers like this very often. And I, I love it when I see the light bulb just like go off in their head. Like, oh, that makes sense. Let's say, you know, the average fisherman doesn't get to fish a ton. You know, I, I fish a lot. I fish, I try to fish once, twice a week, like all year round. So I, I get out on the water quite a bit. But, you know, the average out there during the summer, May through August, might only get on the water, you know, let's say 10 times, right? When I, when I sell them a slow car, I tell them, like, okay, so let's say you get, you're going you're gonna to fish 10 days this summer, right? What would be better? You're going to take this brand new unit, and you're not, you don't read the manual, don't take the time to learn it. Would you rather every 10 days you go out be frustrated because you don't know exactly how to run this unit, don't know what you're looking at, or is this a better option? Your first day out, spend the day, half day, even an hour, just driving around, pushing buttons, learning how it works, and then enjoying the other nine days that you have your brand new unit that you've invested all this money in. And usually when I put them like that, you kind of pop, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah, it does make sense. Like, <laughs> like, like, like why, why would you buy something and not know how to use it? And then at the end of the season, you're like, oh, this is junk. Like, it doesn't work. No, you just, you just don't know how to run it. So I think people just got to be a bit more patient with themselves And that, you know, again, if you invested this, I always say, like, don't, it's not spending, it's investing. You know, if you're passionate about something, you're investing in, in yourself, mm-hmm. you know. So if you're going to invest that amount of money and that technology for something you enjoy, why not understand the technology so you can fully enjoy it and, in turn, enjoy your hobby even more? Right. So that's probably a huge mistake I see people do is just not taking the time to learn electronics.
1: Excellent.
0: Absolutely. Um, walk us through your rip-jigging setup, and does it ever change?
2: Yeah, so... Um, I, I'll break this down into two steps. If, if I'm rip jigging plastics, and then rip jigging like, uh, like, jig, like jigging wraps, like hard, hard body baits. Uh, for hard body baits, I like um, a seven-foot. Uh, the specific one I use is a seven-one medium-fast, uh, medium-power, fast-action rod from 2B Fishing. That's the one I use. Um, when I first started rip jigging, like jigging wraps, I was six to six-foot medium-light-fast because um, the theme was these these jigging rats were originally ice fishing baits, so they had very small hooks on them, they were very heavy. So what happened was a lot of times when you set the hook, uh, and usually when these fish hit these baits, you have two different bites. It's either it's on the fall, on like a semi-taunt line, you just feel wham. It's like your rod got hit by a truck. Or very common, too, is the bait will hit the bottom, and these fish will pin it to the bottom, you rip up, and these fish are just there. Well, regardless of the bite, you have a very small hook, an ice fishing hook, like a size six eight ten treble hook and even on the front and back a jigging and wrap has a hook on the front and back they're strong hooks but they're not big so you're not grabbing a lot of this fish's mouth and i think what people forget about walleye too being in the predator walleyes have very bony mouths there's not a lot of soft tissue in that mouth so you have a small hook not penetrating very deep and not grabbing a whole lot of that fish's mouth and then on top of that you have a very heavy bait half ounce to an ounce bait so, and you hook into a big walleye, big walleye strong. I just talked about, you know, like a lot of 30-inch walleye for a couple minutes. It's going to throw its head around, you know, walleye's notorious for the head shakes. You know, that's all. Oh, you hook up, some, oh, what do you got? Oh, it feels like a walleye. I got big head shakes. Yeah. They're throwing that bait around. It resulted in a lot of lost fish. Um, so, when I first started learning jigging rap, the common theme was use shorter, softer rods, because also sh- us ripping a shorter rod all day was a lot easier than ripping a 7-foot rod. Well, as we advance through the years, rods have gotten better. They've gotten lighter. Um, and the other thing was, as these fish have gotten smarter, like when jigging wraps really first popped on the scene about 10 years ago, you could throw a jigging wrap anywhere any time of year, and it seemed to work. Well, again, fish get smarter. They get, you know, they get wise to us. We've had to fish further away from the boat. Casting them long distances has become the, kind of the norm now. Well, with casting these baits of long distance, you want a longer rod. One, you can throw it farther, and then if, the, if they bite at the end of your cast, you know, further away from the boat, a longer rod picks up more line on the hook set and keeps fish pin better, and a longer rod is better for fighting fish, especially big fish that can throw their head around, throw their weight around a lot. So that's why I eventually graduated to a longer rod. I went to a medium, too, because, again, you're throwing these heavy baits, you want a more backbone, um, just be able to move that bait and then get a better hook set. Um, and again, rods have gotten lighter over the years, so you could use a heavier, stiff, uh, a heavier power rod, a stiffer action rod, while not sacrificing the weight of the rod. Does that make sense? Like a, it wasn't such a heavy rod in your hand to fish with all day. Sure. Um, so that's why I, that's why I have the rods I have. That's the specs I have on my jigging rods. Um, then when you talk about the reel, I typically like used to use a lot of 2,500 size, uh, Daiwa and Shimano reels. Um, I now have upgraded to 3,000 size reels, just bigger size spinning reels. Um, for, and if you're a Pfluger or, uh, uh, Abba Garcia guy, I'm talking like size 30, 35s, even 40s. Um, the reason being using a bigger reel, one, you have more line on your spool. Again, we're talking about fishing very long casts, uh, fishing further away from boats. So you want plenty of line capacity, but the biggest reason too is when you're ripping these baits, you're doing very hard rips, you know, anywhere from two to five foot rips. So there's a lot of slack in that line, um, which you want some slack to be able to on the fall to make that bait work properly, but you need to be able to pick it up really quickly too so you can connect with the fish on the hook set when you do get a bite. A 3,000-size reel picks up more line on the turn than a smaller reel does. Um, and I think you're seeing that a lot in the bass world where it started, you know, guys in three, 4,000 seems to be the norm, and it's slowly creeping in the walleye world, especially in some of these you know, more aggressive techniques um, where it's important to get that line pickup on the turn, um, so that's why I use a, a larger size reel. Um, and then with the line, I pretty much I, I always use a braid. Um, I'm pretty much exclusive ten pound test braid. I like Fireline myself, but Suffix Power Pro is good too. Um, and I use high vis. Uh, I use either a white or like a high vis green. Um, I don't like the dark like smoke blacks or like the low vis greens, which seem to be more popular. But I'm starting to sway people more to the other side when I talk to them in the store. Uh, for two reasons. One, it's easier to see with the eyes because, again, you, um, all the best jig fishermen I know are line watchers. Um, doesn't matter where you're jigging, live bait, plastic, these rip jigs, you want to be able to watch that line to see if it jumps, that's a fish hitting it, or let's say you're popping off bottom and you know it takes three seconds for that lure to hit bottom. You rip it up and it falls and stops after a second, bottom didn't change, fish grabbed it. So you're watching the line, especially on windy days where you can't feel as much, you want to watch your line for any changes. Um, the other thing, too, is those fish... Believe it or not, it's harder for them to see a white or a high-vis green line in the water than it is a dark-colored line. And the reason being is those fish look up. You know, when you and I always tell people, when you swim to the bottom of a pool and look up, or the bottom of a lake, right, and you look up, it's bright because you're looking at the sun, right? They can't, white and high-vis green co- uh, blends in better with sunlight than a black or a dark green. It's going to contrast. Right. You know, people get so caught up in how does line look to you. Well, we look, looking down in the water, fish are looking up. So, Use a high-vis line, it's going to blend in better. But, and the ultimate reason, too, why it really doesn't matter, it's more important for you to see the line than the fish, is because I'm always also using a fluorocarbon leader. Um, typically, with these, with these heavy baits, I'm using anywhere from 12 to 15-pound fluorocarbon, very stiff um, line, because these baits will have a tendency to roll over themselves, and that stiffer line will prevent it from being hung up and uh, hooked up on the bottom hook when these baits are uh, darting around. Also, you want uh, fluorocarbon for abrasion resistance. We are usually throw these around rocks, timber, uh, zebra mussel infested in a lot of lakes, like little razor blades that- Yeah, we have on. those in our lake. Yep, you, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. They have very sharp edges that just destroy line. Um, another reason too, your fish for walleyes, the fish with teeth. You know, they don't have you know, as sharp a teeth as pike. They're not gonna saw through your baits super easily, but if you catch enough fish that start to hail on the bait, you know, it's, gonna wear, it's gonna wear on your line. So you want some abrasion resistance there. And then also uh, fluorocarbon, it's, uh, super, it's completely invisible in the water. The way it reflects lot, uh, sunlight in the water, it just disappears. Mm-hmm. So, again, you can use a high-vis line. If, end the day, if you're still scared about fish seeing your line with a high-vis braid, they're not going to see it if you use a fluorocarbon leader. They don't care. And then I always uh, connect the two with a ball-bearing swivel because these baits will spin a lot, and they're very erratic, so it can put line twist in your line. So if you use a ball-bearing swivel, it'll eliminate that. So that's my mm-hmm. setup for rip-jigging baits. When I'm snapping plastics, I like specifically a 610 medium light power, extra fast action, again, from 2B Fishing. Um, I like that because um, it's a uh, soft rod with a very quick tip, so I can pop those plastics really well. I have great feel, but when a fish does hit it, I can set the hook immediately. That tip folds over instantly, I always, that, and I drive that hook perfectly into the mouth. And I like an extra fast, quicker tip because when you're drip jigging plastic, you're not worried about a small ice fishing hook or a treble hook I'm usually using a, a jig with one solid big hook on it meant for plastic so mm. I have no issue driving that hook in that walleye's bony mouth and again I'm using a braid eight to ten pound test um a little bit smaller reel like a 2000 or 2500 size just to balance out a little bit better with a little shorter rod than a 7-1 and again I'm uh, eight to ten pound test braid high vis and I'm connecting that to a uh, 10 to 12 pound test fluorocarbon leader again for invisibility.
1: Oh. Mm-hmm. You got your setup now Mike?
2: Yeah,
0: it's, it's actually very similar to, <laughs> you, to what I run. Yeah. I do run a, an extra fast instead of a fast, mm-hmm. but, I mean, it's, it's kind of dealer's choice at that yeah, point. Yeah, and, and
2: that's fine. At one point I want to make, too, is uh, you, you can get too lost, sometimes too lost in those specifics. At the end of day two, you and I mm-hmm. might rip, rip, work these baits differently. We might catch the same amount of fish, but we're working it differently because your rod works better for how you work it. My rod works better for how I work the baits, but at the end of the day, the baits do the same thing. Does that make Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. How you work the bait with your rod versus how I work the bait with my rod might look different on the surface, but underneath, event they're both doing the same thing. So those fish are still gonna—they're not gonna see a difference. They're still gonna hit it.
0: Yeah, great answer. And it's just a—it's a way to kind of tweak your setup a little bit mm-hmm. too. You know, if they, if you're not catching them the exact way you did last time, you know, switch it up, switch your cadence a little bit. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, You mentioned this earlier about um, that walleye you caught, the Mm 30-inch, that it was only out of the water for, like, 60 seconds max. So how do you properly release a walleye? I think that's, like, something a lot of people don't know, probably beginners do.
2: Yeah, and um, especially with bigger fish, you know, bigger fish uh, have more weight, and they've been around longer. So you just them being older, I believe they've earned the right to live. You know, you want to take care of them as much as possible. They're hardy, but you don't want to abuse them. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, keep in the water as long as possible. When I'm fishing in the summer in my boat, my live well always has water in it. So, like if I catch a big walleye, I'll throw it in the live well right away while I get, you know, the camera ready. So that way, it's in the water, uh, recuperating as long as possible. You know, if you don't have a live well, if you net it, just leave it in the net, just so hanging over the side of the boat, just have it so it's immersed, so those gills are immersed, so it can breathe. Right, and it becomes more important as the water gets warmer, as we get, uh, as the, just the temperatures get rise. It's harder on the fish because I equate it like this: like if you pull a walleye out of seventy-five degree water and it's trying to catch its breath, even leaving the water, it's like if I have you go run go run around a gym three times, then I put you in the gym where it's ninety degrees. say, Okay, catch your breath. You're still gonna have a tough time, you know. So one key point when the water does get hot is you want to minimize as little as possible. You don't know, keep that fish in water as much as possible, but even still, you know, get that fish unhooked, get your picture, let it go. Um, so one, keeping the water as much as possible, either a net or a live well. And then, uh, two, have tools ready. Um, you know, have a pliers, know where it's at in your boat. I got like four in my boat, like <laughs> just scattered, just scattered about. You can never have enough. <laughs> you, 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 True know, you can story. I mean, and, and I, you never pick up the one that you thought you were going to pick up. Exa- exactly. I know tons of people, I've been in tons of boats where, you know, you get a fish where it's pliers. I don't know. You know, it, it just, it just happens, you know, but if you have, the more you have, the more likely you're going to run into one, you know, it's in the corner here. Um, so, yeah, uh, taking care of them. Uh, big thing, too, especially with big walleyes, and I think this is important, any fish 24 inches and bigger, try to avoid the single vertical hold as much as possible. You're gripped by the gills and holding straight up and down. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure on those fish's internal organs, and they can uh, tear away and then result in internal damage, and that fish will swim away from you, and you think it's just fine. You know, 20 minutes later, it might, might not make it. Yeah, it might not make it. It might die. You know, you, you think you did everything right, but then at the end, it just it didn't you didn't sure so uh do the two fish hold you know hold in the gills like normal but instead of vertical go horizontal and keep a hand like right underneath right next so to, i like, have the to touch thing. the fish you do have to touch the fish okay yes. <laughs> thank um, you no <laughs> yeah and that, that it's it's not as important on the smaller fish you know like under 22 inches sure. it's fine but on those bigger fish you really you really want to do a two-hand Support horizontal it, yeah. hold yep and that's any that's any fish muskies uh pike big bass um you want to do a two-hand hold. You have to support that fish. We're waiting for you to do the two-arm hold, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the real <Haven't>, big guy. <laughs> haven't caught one that big yet. Um, and then uh, this is simple, but like, trying your best not to drop it. <laughs> you know, even, like, people don't think about, you know, like, if you drop a 25-inch walleye three feet and it hits the bottom boat, that's a hard fall. It's, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a six-foot right. person, that's equivalent to me. I, like, if I drop you six, seven feet out of the middle of the air and you hit those, you hit, like, the boat floor, I don't think you're going to be okay either. Right. <laughs> you know, like you're going to be dazed and confused. You're going to be hurting. And, again, you might do some internal damage to that fish that you don't, you can't even see. So just just be gentle with them. Take your time, but be quick, if that makes sense. Sure. Yep. Take your time in that. Make sure the fish is okay. Make sure it's in the water. Um, get your camera ready. Have your tools available. But then be quick as possible. Get that hook out. Get it in the water. Take it back out. Picture. Let it go. Okay.
0: All right. So- I only have one question here from my list of questions, yep. but it's, it's kind of something I want to save for the end because I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Okay. Um, but I do have a list of questions from our Instagram page. So if, you, if you're not following our Instagram page, Shields Outdoors, make sure to do that. Awesome page. Um, but I put, a, I put a question out there on stories like, hey, we're having Jaden on the podcast. Ask some questions. So I'm going to run through those guys now if you're yep. all right with that. Absolutely. Okay. So, first one. Oh, it's, I don't have a question. I just want to say this guy is a hammer. Um, yeah. That one may or may not have been from our Fargo Shields Outdoor page. Um, probably Mr. Matt Schneider. Way to suck up, man. Um,
2: this, here's one. What's the best way to catch bass? Um,. Any way you can, in my opinion, bass will hit anything you put in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, bass mafia do not come for me. Like, I, 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 again, I will, big fish of any species are difficult to catch. You know, big bass, five, six, seven pounders, they don't get big by being dumb. You know, big, uh, large, big largemouths like that. So, you know, four, five, six pounds, smallmouth. they don't get big by being dumb. They're very difficult to catch. People who will consistently catch big bass have my utmost respect. Now, if we're talking, like, one to two-pound largemouth, one to two-pound smallmouth, I don't think it's that hard. <laughs> it's not, it's not just, that I just, hard. I just don't. And, that, and that's, <laughs> that's equivalent to catching, like, 13 to 16-inch walleyes. It's usually not that hard. So put the They're, line in the water. Yes. Yeah, so no. As long as you're around them, they'll be aggressive. Cause, and that that's just also it ties into a nature of fish. Smaller fish, they don't have as many opportunity to eat. They can't eat as big a bigger variety of, of baits as you know, bigger fish can just because of their size, and they have more competition. There's more of them than there are more big fish. And also, they're not just competing with other little fish, they're competing with big fish too. So, they have to, if they see something, they usually have to bite because they don't know when they're going to eat again. They might not get a chance. Versus a big fish, once it gets to, you know, trophy size, it can be a bit more selective. You know, it, it, it won't eat its preferred forage or it will only eat when it wants to eat. So, again, bass guys, don't come for me. <laughs> smaller fish of any species are usually more easier to catch. But the flip side is, if you look at walleye versus bass, bass are inherently more aggressive than walleyes just by nature. It's in their nature. They're more aggressive. Um, So they're a little easier to catch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Best live bait year
2: round. Year round. Um, Honestly... They're, okay, they're, they're, I'm going to answer in two ways. Availability of minnow. You can never go wrong with a jig and a minnow for a walleye. You can, minnows are available all year round. Um, you can get sucker, sucker minnows. Sucker minnows are great for walleyes. They work almost anywhere all year, anywhere they're legal. North Dakota, you can't use sucker minnows on a jig. I don't want, again, game and fish. I didn't tell people to go to North Dakota jig with suckers. Um, <laughs> as, long, as long as they're around, they're, they work. You can use a jig, and a, a jig and a minnow from ice out to freeze up, and it will work. Is it always the best? Maybe not, but it will almost always work. Mm-hmm. Um, the best, probably the hardest one for a walleye to deny is probably going to be a leech. Um, when leeches and kicks off, you know, usually once water is getting that low, mid-50s, um, all the way, and all the way th- Honestly, through the fall, and really the only reason the leech bite ends usually around July or August is because leeches aren't available anymore. They're harder to find. But I know guys who uh, fish some tournaments who will get a couple pounds of leeches in June. And we'll baby them, take care of them, feed them, clean them, and they'll have them in October. <laughs> Tell them bedtime they, stories. Yeah. Well, they, they, they take such good care of them, they're still so big and juicy and they, they move around so well. They'll use them in October and when no one else has leeches. And, you know, you get to October, again, that water's cold, you know, we're getting almost to the turnover period. It's pretty much all minnows, you know. It's minnow bites or artificial baits that mimic minnows. Guys bring out leeches and they'll slaughter fish, slaughter them. And everyone's like, what? Leeches don't work. You can't get them. No, they work. A lot of guys just can't get them. Especially it's notorious up in like some of these big Canadian tournaments. Um, Guys who have leeches in October or even I've even seen guys in November with leeches. They catch giant walleyes with them and a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So I'd say the best one, the best live bait would be a big juicy leech as long as you can find them.
1: Interesting. The only thing they're good for. (laughs) <laughs> in my opinion
2: yeah yeah they're, they're not as good when they're
0: dangling on your toes when no. you're when you're doing <laughs> your leg life. yeah yeah for sure
2: um when fishing is tough what is your old faithful when fishing is tough my old faithful it's again either probably a bobber and a leech just let a leech sit there in its face um it's very hard for a walleye to say no to that <laughs> if you can le- let that thing sit in its face for 10-15 minutes Usually, you can get them to at least like inhale it. Give you give you a chance to set the hooking. You know, might inhale for a couple seconds and spit it back out. But if you're if if you're on your game, and you see that bobber, you know, just start going a couple seconds. If you can crank down and get that hook into them quick enough, you can you can put a few more fish in your boat. Then the flip side of that is a, a jig and wrap. You know, mm. again, like, if, if they're not going to bite or don't want to bite, I'm going to make them bite. I'm either going to make them bite or they're going to spook. At least if they spook, then I'm like, all right, I can go find some different fish.
0: Yeah. Yep. And you know what? There's just something about watching that bobber slowly sink Oh, it down. makes you feel like it's a kid, just, you know? Like, with, it, with the decrease in the bobber, the increase in your heart rate, it just, like, <laughs> directly
2: offsets. And bobber, it, it's it's so much fun. Because I think, like, most of us probably did start by, you know, catching bluegills off the dock with a bobber and a worm. But it's even better now, like you, you're out there, you throw a bobber and leech or like a bobber and a big minnow or a full nightcrawler, that bobber goes down. It's not a bluegill. It's something, no. it's something big with teeth. Like, <laughs> it's going to put a bend in your rod. It's like that, that, that makes your heart get even going even more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you can only fish one lake for the rest of the summer. Are you picking pelican, gull, or pokegama? Ooh! and did I say that right? Pokegama. Pokegama. Yeah, pokeguma. yeah I, I always get Pokemon in my head
1: for
2: some reason when I see that lake it name. It definitely looks like it. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Um. you know, it, I might just be a recency bias. It'd probably be Pokegama. Now, here's why all three lakes are great. Pelican and Artail County, it's been in my backyard. I fished it forever. Um, it's got a ton of big fish, fishes really well. There's, you can find schools of little fish. You can find groups of uh, big schools of eaters. You can find pods of big fish. Um, and usually fish is pretty shallow. So if you like fishing shallow, like fishing aggressive, it plays right in your hand. Gull is uh, gull is historically famous for walleye fish. You know the, the, Whether it's the lenders um, in fishermen fishing out there, gull is where a lot of great walleye advancements happened. Um, and we, sh- I th- if you've never fished Gull Lake in, and, and, uh, like, the Brainerd Lakes area, I highly encourage you to go do it. Um, a lot of the baits that are in your tackle box techniques you know originated around that area. Um, and Gull is awesome because it, it's loaded with walleyes, and they're pretty. They're they're, they're just, a, like, a pure, like, beautiful gold, like Gull gold. One of my buddies, uh, Hayes Baldwin, who guide, who guides in the area, uh, he put me on it. He got me out there for the first time, and it was incredible. My first fish out of there was, like, 28 and a half, and it was just – as pretty as can be, beautiful gold. Um, we fished a tournament, did really well, caught a ton of nice fish. And it's, it, it's gulls filled with, like, 20 to 24-inch walleyes. So if you want to learn how to pattern, like, bigger fish and consistently get on them, great place to go to kind of test your metal because if you can do it out there, you can probably catch them anywhere because they're very pressured, very smart fish. And, again, it's a bigger lake, so you can kind of fish a lot of different pieces of structure and kind of fish more to your strengths as well. Pokegama is... Very unique, and I've heard about it for years. Pokegama, if, if I'm getting this right, is technically a reservoir or a flowage, because it's created from a dam. Um, the other unique thing about Pokegama is it's one of, if not the only, lake in Minnesota that has natural smelt. Um, and a lot of people who fish the western reservoirs in Dakotas will know what smelt due to walleyes. It's like steroids for them. Smelt, <laughs> it's, it's a pelagic open water, cold water bait fish. So you, you're not going to find smelt like up on shallow rock in the weeds or like traditional walleye structure. They typically hang out over deep basins or over very deep structure. I'm talking like 30 to 100 feet. They could be anywhere in between. Um, so what that does is, one, it's like steroids for walleye. These fish grow really big, really fat, really fast. And also it'll, those, if those, once those fish eat those, they realize that's their preferred forage they're going to they're gonna go to different areas. Um, I spent a week out there this last week fishing with my cousin, and it was phenomenal. It was very unique. Uh, all our fish came fishing 10 to 20 feet down over, like, 40 to 60 feet of water, um, jigging, uh, throwing jigging wraps and jigging shadow wraps at them and we caught some big fish. Uh, all our fish were like 22 to 28 inches. We didn't catch any small fish. We didn't catch a lot, but we didn't catch mm-hmm. any small fish. And that's, again, what all my buddies have told me about it. A lot of my, fr- I have a few friends who fish a high-end level walleye tournament out there. It's the Graha Walleye Shootout, Pakega's famous for. Um, it's a great tournament. It's a, it's probably the Best amateur tournament I know In the state of Minnesota I just say amateur because it's not like a It's, it's part of no like professional circuit right It's a standalone tournament but a lot of high end Like professional walleye fishermen fish it It's filled with some of the best local guides And fishermen in the area and guys from all over Will come over fish it because it's, it's an $18,000 prize For first place mm-hmm. Yeah and that's a good chunk of change Yeah it's I mean that, that can help a few people you know <laughs> if, you, if you do well it's, it's a good chunk of change for catching five big walleyes You know and, and in that tournament format It's a catch photo lease, so you need your five biggest walleyes possible and usually it takes 40 to 45 pounds of wind so you're talking 5 fish usually between 27-30 inches in one day and I mean that's that's stu- just that, absurd that can be more about. than that people be, in their life yeah, you I, I was <laughs> just going to say it could be more than somebody's lifetime so but and as much as I talked about the pattern we got on those deep pelagic fish it, it's it's such a big expansive lake with different arms different structure I know guys who were in the top three who caught them in six feet of water there are guys who did really well in the top ten fishing traditional walleye structure you know 15 25 foot weed beds rock piles uh, points then I know guys who did well too fishing the same pattern we did fishing suspended deep water fish so It's big in that it can spread people out. You can get away from people if that's your thing. It has so much different types of structure and forage that, again, if you like fishing a certain way, you can probably do it. Or if you want to challenge yourself and fish a way that you've never done before or not comfortable doing, you can do it. But the thing with either of those is those fish are very big, they're very old, they're very well-fed, they're very smart. So you typically don't get a lot of bites or you only have maybe a specific certain bite windows where you can get bites. You earn every single fish you catch. So if you can go out there and you can get, you know, half a dozen big fish a day, you should feel really, really accomplished because, you, you, again, you earn them there. And they're so pretty. They're, prob- they're right up there with Gold Lake Goldfish. Um, the Pokegma walleyes, they're like a, almost like, a can- like Canadian shield walleyes. they got got like, almost like black backs with very deep, dark gold sides they're so they're yeah they're beautiful
0: mm-hmm. so you've done a great job selling all three lakes but i still don't know your answer
2: <laughs> i again i would say if i had to pick one out of three it might just be recency bias i'd probably take pokegama okay just because of that unique factor with the with the smelt in the deep water it, it's so expansive there's so much different types of structure but it, it's filled with big fish it's filled with big fish and again i'm a big i'm a big walleye type of guy
0: big walleye guy big big like big that. walleye big, guy big big walleye guy yeah gotcha <laughs>
2: So okay. I got another question. I got one yep. more question.
1: So yeah, you I've mentioned later today you're going to Fishing League. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yes. Tell us a
2: little bit about that. Yeah, so again, yeah, I live in the Fargo-Moorhead area, um, but, and it's it's our, our walleye league. Uh, it's put on by the, the group as walleyes are us, um, and it's it's a great league. I've been doing it um, off and on for almost 10 years now. I got into it when I was about 15, 16 years old. Um, it's the equivalent... To walleye fishing, what like beer league softball is, you know, it, it's it's great because it, and I say that, I say that, but I still say it's still competitive. But like it's what it is is it's about ten or twelve events a year, either on a Wednesday night from six to nine or a Saturday morning from eight to twelve, and um, anyone can be a member. Uh, it's like thirty dollars to sign up, and it's ten dollars per event. And what it is, everyone shows up at at the lake. We have a, a set a list of events throughout the year from. The week after opener in Minnesota till about mid-August, um, anyone can show up. You can fish up to four people in a boat. You weigh, your six, you weigh six fish. Um, only one can be over 20 inches, and that will depend, too. If you have a slot lake, like tonight we're fishing Lido Lake in Artel County, so everything 17-26 has to go back. So ideally you're looking for five inches and one over 26. That's ideal. Easier said than done, but that's ideal. <laughs> but um, and what it is? Oh, everyone throws in ten dollars, and you fish for the allotted time. You come and weigh your fish, and it pays out first, second, third. Um, and again, it's it's competitive because it's like you know, if you're just competitive in nature, you want to do well, and it's not enough money where like if you. Bomb! You're like, oh my god, like yeah, oh god, like, <laughs> oh, I money, I got a lot of money. I gotta right? eat ramen yeah, the rest of the exactly. week on this one. <laughs> but it's still it's enough where like if you win, you know, it's you a couple hundred bucks, a nice little walking around money, you know. Oh, and, yeah. and more so bragging yeah. rights. Bragging rights, right. right. right, anything, you know. Yes. And all like we all get pretty much everyone in the in the league knows each other. Like we all get along. There's not really any bad blood. Um And what's what's great about it for people who want to get into it, and the reason I got into it. I, growing up, me walleye fishing when I was younger, it was pretty much strictly dragging around lindy rigs with night crawlers, leeches, minnows in the spring or fall, and I'd do some jigging in the spring or fall, but I was mainly a, a rigger. I, I, I dragged around live bait rigs, which was great, but it wasn't always the best thing to do all year round, right? Getting in the walleye league, it made me fish lakes I'd never fished before, or maybe fish them at times I've never fished them before. And said me being competitive I always want to do well i learned really quick you can't just drag a lindy rig with a night crawler around all year round and expect to always do well it it forced me to learn different techniques and become good at those techniques if i wanted to compete so again it's it's competitive and will for and will make you a better angler but it's not something where it's going to require you know like a eighty thousand dollar boat you don't need a big fiberglass boat tons of electronics um, and you're not throwing in entry fees. Where if you come in without your fish, where <laughs> yeah, except you're eating ramen for the next month, they're worried about how you're going to pay your rent. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 a great opportunity for people who want to learn more about fishing and want to learn more want to learn more about uh, different lakes in the area. So yeah, Walleyes S League in the Fargo Moorhead area. Highly recommend. Uh, we fish lakes all over Ottertail and Becker County. Um, yeah, can't say enough good things about it.
0: Awesome. yeah my my brother just started a fishing league he lives in southern minnesota but he says the same thing too like i always loved walleye fishing but then i started this weekly tournament thing and now i'm just full-on obsessed
2: and it's a great springboard like there's tons of there's you talk to a lot of like high level pros and that's how a lot of them have gotten where they're at you know to get that competitive itch you know you just start fishing some like uh grassroots type league like this you get some confidence you might start doing some bigger local tournaments start doing well and then you start doing some pro level events you know it's just it just it's. It's, like a, it's, a, it's a stepping stone for mm-hmm. people who maybe want to become you know, that high-end level pro fisherman or maybe develop some kind of career in the fishing industry. It's just another step along the path that can get you where you want to go.
1: Cool.
2: Yeah, there it. you go. Well, good luck tonight. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. One last customer question.
0: Yep. Uh, working in the fishing department, what is the number one walleye rig you see leaving the shop?
2: Mm, you know, um, it's probably been... This season, and probably more so the last couple of seasons, it's been the advancements in plastics. I, we're selling more pla- like jigs and plastics than ever before, um, and it's really cool. All the companies are making advancements. Northland just came out with their new eye candy, which is phenomenal. I so absolutely need to try that stuff. We, we got some. Get over to the store and get some while you can, because we're going to run <laughs> out soon. But uh, it, it's phenomenal stuff. Um, uh, Kalen's has a ton of new great plastics that Tom Boley's been throwing the last few years. Um, and then there's your old standbys, Berk, uh, Berkeley Powerbait Ripple Shad. That's one of my personal favorites. Berkeley Champ Swimmer, if you want to target some big fish. Um, uh, Authentics, the Moxies and the Ringworms, you know, for spring and fall fish. And, you know, those are staples. But it's, it, I love seeing the confidence a lot more people have gotten the last few years and used in plastics. Not just traditionally in the spring or fall like it used to be, but just all year long. So, yeah, it used to be like when I first started, it was kind of you saw jigs and plastics. Then you saw it was pretty much all bottom bouncers and spinners. Then again, you'd see some jigs, but more for live bait in the fall. But now – and. Through that progression, you'd see the shop kind of change. We'd uh, you, we'd condense down uh, walleye plastics, start putting more crankbaits or jig- and jigging style baits out, more spinners. Um, whereas now it's like we, you kind of leave the plastics alone as they are and just keep ordering more because people are still buying them because they're using them. And mm-hmm. I don't think this many people would be buying them and using them all year round if they weren't having success. You know, so I think that's been really cool to see, and that's what's been probably the best seller: just all the new plastics and or just all the new confidence people have in plastics mm-hmm. nice
0: so I I did save my question for last but you <laughs> kind of covered it with that three lake pakegama thing you know you kind of went through your mentality of how you kind of adjusted your fishing styles and uh and how you love that lake so you're, you're at about like 90 percent completion of my question there <laughs> but the last part I got is um you know, what did you learn in regards to, like, fish mentality and forward-facing sonar when you're targeting them in those
2: depths? Um, their, their behavior um, and kind of – with forward-facing sonar, as many advancements as there's been, I, I, th- I think what it's done more so than teach us new things, it's confirmed a lot of things we had. And I think in saying that, you, you can't say that without giving – credit and paying homage to all the people who really came before it's in support like i said the lenders all the people who originally worked with in fishermen you know um uh these guys who did it in like the 80s 90s early 2000s even before let's say like side imaging came out you know or, or even there's just the great 2d sonar spotlock trolling motors these all these technology advances made it so much easier for us to fish and also pad in these fish but these guys were figuring out you know these fish behavior and how they acted where they went what they did with 2D sonar and paper maps, you know, so like they, these, it shows you how fishy these guys really were. So I, I think all of us at times got to take a step back and really say thank you to those, you know, the, uh, that former generation um, that figured a lot of this hard stuff out with paper graphs and two, yeah. black and white 2D sonar when some of us sometimes are still struggling, and I'm part of that can be, I can have forward phase sonar on a 12 inch graph. I got side imaging looking out a hundred feet. I have a, a HD map on a 12 inch screen showing me every depth of the, of the lake and I still can't catch or find a walleye. <laughs> 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 it really humbles you really quick. Yeah, absolutely. But I think with forward phase sonar, it's been cool to, to prove a lot of things we already known true, but it's been cool to see some things that I didn't know. Um, Probably the biggest thing I've learned, a couple of biggest things I've learned forest face and so on are how, how often walleyes will suspend in all kinds of bodies of water in all different depths. I've, I've seen walleyes suspend a foot under the surface in seven feet of water. You know, traditionally where it, with walleye fish, always thought you got to be near bottom. bottom. That is not true. Especially I found in clear water, you're better off being in that top half of the water column regardless of depth than you are being near the bottom. Because aggressive fish, they feed, they feed up. And in clear water, they'll race up 10 feet to eat a bait. Because that's what they're used to doing. Mm -hmm. You know, in clear water, as much as far as those fish can see their bait, bait fish, you know, the prey can see them too. So fish are used to having to stock them from long distance away. And then when they commit, they got to run them down, Hmm. either from different depths or different distances. Um, Another thing for a face owner: how long fish will follow. Like I've seen walleyes follow my bait for like 50, 60 feet before either turning away or finally committing so that tells you you know if they're following you're you're close you're close you got to either change up your cadence a little bit maybe change downsize upsize you got to do you're close but you got to do something a little different to maybe get them to commit sooner um another thing too is just is seeing seeing how they work like pokegum is a great example and that's a fishing you know 40 50 feet of water all the bait was 10 to 30 feet down i was watching like pods of big like 24 to 29 inch walleyes like working like pairs or like a group of three you'd watch them like ball up bait in the really tight uh, Tight circles or tight balls. Mm-hmm. Then you see one rip through and, and inhale some bait The bait ball kind of spurs then that fish that just ate another one would kind of regroup them again and Then another one would swim through and eat. Uh, it was just really cool seeing how they hunt and how they work um Kind of reminds me of like velociraptors in Jurassic Park. Yeah, a little, yeah. a little bit more like, <laughs> like wolves, you know, or like, yeah, they just, they, and typically you don't see big fish in big schools like that, you know, um, mm-hmm. you won't, you, you, excluding the Great Lakes, um, you don't see like 12, 20, 30 big walleyes, you know, over 24 inches in a, in a pod, you might, see, you might get a dozen in like a loose hundred yard area but mo- what's most common is you'll see big walleyes either by themselves or twos, threes at max. Um, but typically what I've seen, too, is that these bigger fish, it, the more of them you see around, the more aggressive they're going to be. Um, good example, again, I poke My cousin and I, we almost doubled up on, like, 28 inches. And the reason I can say that is I landed mine, uh, my cousin missed his, because it, it was a wolf pack of, like, five of them. And they were moving around fast, they were looking up. As soon as our baits... Drop like hit the water and fell like five from them. They all exploded. Like all tried to attack, and I got mine. Tyler missed his, but all the fish on the fourth sonar were about were looked roughly the same size. So I figured they were all in that you know 27, 28, 29 inch category. So yeah, just and that's an early four fourth sonar. You really dial it in and learn again. Going back, learn your electronics and catch someone's fish you're looking at. You can start to decide like, okay, these are the right. These are 27, 28 inch walleyes. Nope, these are more like 22, 24s. So then that can kind of help you be more selective, too, either for a day or in a tournament aspect. You can find the right fish without necessarily catching them.
0: Mm -hmm. How fun is it to just think back and be like, I was chasing a pod of, like, 528-inch walleye (laughs) and trying to figure out and get them suckers
2: to bite. It's fun until you do it for half an hour, they don't bite, and you've thrown eight lures at them. (laughs) Okay, I can (laughs) accept that. Yeah, there are as many good things there are before, there's a couple things where you're like, ah, it's this sucks. Like, yeah,
0: That's one of the biggest downsides of forward facing sonar is when it's a negative bite and you just can't get them to It's like, you are literally right there. Like I can see your gills. Like I know you're there, Yeah, you, you but I cannot catch you
2: on the tough days. Now you can't say, Oh, I just didn't find them. No, we found them. They just, they wanted nothing to do with us. I could not get them to bite. Kind to of, again, it hum- humbles you, <laughs> humbles you a little bit.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, yeah, you've, you've covered all of my questions yeah. right now. You the, the, Great segment. Appreciate all the information, uh, Ashley. You got anything
2: else? Anything no, I, in? I mean
1: I have a wealth of knowledge here.
2: So thank you so much for educating me so much. I appreciate you guys having me. I think this is my third time on, and like awesome. I don't know if you knew this, like I was the first person on a podcast Mike asked me. Really? To. I was really humbled that he asked me then. I'm humbled every time you ask me to be on. So, yeah, I really appreciate you. I appreciate both of you guys having me you gave
1: a great interview, so thank you so much. (laughs) Thank
2: you.
0: Appreciate you joining us. Uh, You know, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, You know, you can catch us on any podcast platform, video versions on YouTube outdoors, and make sure to check out our social channels and uh, stop into one of our stores, check out the fishing department. You can chat with uh, Jaden if you're in the Fargo store. Um, otherwise we got a lot of great experts at a lot of other stores. So
2: don't hesitate to stop in and talk. I get paid to talk fishing. Yeah. <laughs> he, he kind of <laughs> likes to talk about fishing if you haven't gathered that yet.
1: All right? thank you.
2: Thank you guys.